0: Hello and welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. We appreciate you joining us through this podcast. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Thank you once again for joining us and enjoy the message. Ushers, can you guys come up and collect the cards real quick? Hi, everyone. My name is Clint Schwartz. I'm the lead pastor here. Thanks for being here today. Really glad to see everyone. I did want to give a report. So last week, we had a special building fund offering as we're planning for the future future expansion down the road. We we have plenty of room now, I believe, since we went to two services. Uh, But at some point, we feel like we need to be able to expand the auditorium. So we've started to uh, build up our building fund. And last year or last week, you guys were generous and gave over $7,000. So thank you so much for contributing to the, the building fund exciting. Um, Also, I wanted to give you guys a heads up about our sermon series starting next week. So next week, we're starting a message series called Tough Topics, Living at Peace Without Compromising Scripture. So it doesn't take very long, right, to look on social media or look in the, the news to see that there's a lot of tough topics happening in our culture and our society. And most of these difficult topics Pastors and preachers don't take on, okay? But for some reason, God has asked me through this next series, and I've had a lot of arguments with Him over this. So, are you sure, God, that you want us to take on these tough topics? And uh, He has assured me, I believe so. I could be wrong, though. He's assured me to to take on these difficult topics. So, starting next week, we're gonna be looking at things like immigration, we're gonna be looking at politics. We'll be looking at gay marriage. I know you shaking your head. What are we going to do about that one? Um, we're going to be hitting uh, women in leadership and ministry. That's actually not so much a difficult topic in our culture, but it has been a difficult topic in the church. And uh, we're going to be hitting abortion. So there's a lot of difficult topics we'll be talking about. And the plan for the series is to take a look at why this is a difficult topic. So we're going to kind of look at both sides of the argument. And then we're going to look at Scripture and see what Scripture says. And then at the end, we're going to try to figure out how can we live at peace when we have a lot of people around us who disagree with Scripture. That's going to be the the basics of The the sermon series. So if you would, be praying for me as we start to put this series together. But we're kicking it off next Sunday, so it'd be a great time to come back and uh, participate in that message series. But today we are finishing up our message series called The Final Countdown, Remembering Jesus's Last Days. And it's been a message series focused on the week between Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday, and what happened with Jesus, who did he talk to, where did he spend his time. And if you missed any of those messages, you can check them all out online. They're on our website, lighthousevineyard.church, or you can subscribe to the podcast. But today, I've been really looking forward to today, because today we get to talk about Jesus' resurrection. It's Easter Sunday, and we're going to talk about the story of Jesus' resurrection. So you can turn in your Bibles if you would like to Luke chapter 24. We'll also have it up on the screen as well. <coughs> so I'm going to uh, kind of summarize the story for you though, um, coming into this scripture. So let's back up to Good Friday at about three o'clock. On Good Friday, Jesus breathes his last breath and he dies on the cross. So at that time, there's an earthquake and the curtain that separates the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple is torn in two, which just symbolizes that there is now a bridge between us and God. And then check this out many holy people rose from the dead, came out of their graves. And wandered into town. Wouldn't that be kind of strange? But that was happening all on Good Friday. Now, Joseph of Arimathea was a rich man, kind of a a secret follower of Jesus. And so he went to Pilate and asked for Jesus's body because he wanted to give Jesus a proper burial. Pilate agrees. And so him and Nicodemus take Jesus's body down off the cross. I don't know how they did that, I don't know if they pulled the nails out, if they pulled his hands through. I just can't even imagine what that was like. But they took Jesus's body down from the cross and then they anointed it and with perfumes and wrapped it up in cloths. Now it was getting close to evening and the Sabbath begins in the Jewish culture on Friday night at sunset till Saturday night at sunset. So they needed to finish this up before dark. And so they found a tomb nearby, a a new tomb, and uh, they laid Jesus' body in that tomb, put a rock in front of it, and that was it. Now, the next day, the Pharisees approached Pilate. I mean, Pilate's probably getting tired of all of these people coming to him over this dead man, you know, Jesus. And they said, his disciples might come and rob the tomb and take Jesus' body out because Jesus had predicted that he was going to rise again. So he had made it pretty public that his plan was to die and come back to life. And so he said, can you, can you send a detachment of soldiers and go and make the tomb secure and guard it so that the disciples won't come and steal Jesus' body and say that he rose again? So Pilate agrees to this, to this and, and sends some soldiers over there. And they guard the tomb and then they they make it secure. They seal the tomb, which I did a little research on that. And basically it means that they took a large rock, put it into the, the mouth of the cave or the cavern, and then put dirt and stones around it and just kind of sealed it all off. Now, the first thing that happens on Sunday morning that scripture records is that Mary Magdalene and the other Mary and Joanna decide while it's still dark to go to the tomb and they want to properly anoint Jesus's body with perfumes and and all of the funeral ceremony type things. And on their way, they're having the conversation. They're saying, well, what are we going to do when we get there? There's a big rock in front of it. How are we going to move this rock? But they're having this conversation. They get to the tomb. The soldiers are there. And then there's this huge earthquake that happens and an angel shows up, pushes the stone away, and then sits on the rock. <laughs> the angel pushes the stone away, sits on the rock. And I love this. That in mess, uh, the, the scripture records that the guards were so afraid that they shook and became like dead men. So it must have been a pretty big deal. You know, the, the guards, I don't know what that means to shake and become like dead men, but they weren't in the picture anymore. They were just kind of the, out of the way. And the the angel starts to talk to the women and says, hey, he's not here. He's risen just like he said. Now go and tell the disciples. So they run off, tell the disciples. The disciples, of course, don't believe it. I mean, can you believe this? Really? Jesus had told them multiple times, I'm going to die. I'm going to rise again. The ladies come and say, he's not here. And they tell the disciples, they don't believe it. They have to run out and look in the tomb for themselves and... And they come back and they're just wondering what this all means. So then there's a couple of uh, guys that are on their way to Emmaus, another town nearby. And Jesus comes along and starts talking to them. And he reveals himself to them and, and disappears. And so those guys run back to the disciples and they are saying, we saw Jesus. We talked to Jesus. He's alive. And they're still perplexed at that point. And that's where we're going to pick up the scripture in Luke chapter 24, verse 36. While they, the disciples, were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see... Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. So we're going to talk about that scripture. In our message, that's titled today, Easter Sunday, A Reason to Celebrate. And if you would just pray with me as I pray for our service. So God, we come to you and we thank you for the scriptures that record exactly what happened. And so Lord, I pray that you would open up our minds to be able to understand what you want to speak to us today. We invite you, Holy Spirit to come and minister to our hearts. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so you have a handout and you can fill this in if you would like. You don't have to, but I have a few fill-ins for you. A couple of observations from the resurrection story. First of all, Jesus was fully alive again in human form. Jesus was fully alive again in human form. So let me speak to this for a little bit. So first of all, Jesus was completely dead. We have to, If we believe that he was alive, we have to start with the fact that he was completely dead. And I don't know about you, but over my lifetime, I've had a few doubts about that. I'm like, was Jesus really dead? I mean, did they just take him down from the cross a little early and he still was alive? And the reason I've had some of these doubts is because of things like Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Anyone seen the movie? Two of us. Yeah, all right. There's the three. All right. So, director Nick Fury, who played by Samuel Jackson, in this movie is killed. In fact, he's on the the surgical table, and they're watching, and the heart rate monitor is going, and then pretty soon it flatlines. They call him dead, right? And then they, they, they clean him up, and the other guys come over and say goodbye to him, and he's just gone. But then later on in the movie, he's alive. And they're like, wow, well, we saw you die. How can you still be alive? And, and it's this magical drug that he took, you know, they put it into his heart and it slowed his heart down to one beat per minute. And so it looked like he was dead, but it was just a fake. And he was really alive. And so I'm wondering, well, when they put that sponge up on Jesus's lips, was it that magical drug? You know, was he, was he really like, did his heart rate just slow? No, <laughs> he was dead. He was really, really dead. His heart stopped beating. His lungs stopped breathing. Blood stopped flowing through his veins. There was no brain activity. His body was completely 100% dead. And if there was ever any question to this, while he was dead on the cross, the soldiers came and pierced his side and blood and water flowed out of his cavity here and within his body right there flowed out on good Friday. We, we read through what probably happened to his body physically. And because of the stress and the strain and the trauma of crucifixion it's, there's a good chance that his heart actually hemorrhaged and broke apart in his chest. And that's, that would account for the blood and water that flowed out of his side. He was gone So if we believe that he was fully dead, well, he was again, fully alive in human form. So he died physically, but his body rose again physically. He wasn't an angel. He wasn't a ghost. Here's the account in Luke chapter 24. First of all, it says Jesus himself stood among them. He didn't float among them. He actually stood there among them in bodily form. He says, why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones. And then to even convince them further, he says, well, do you have something to eat? (laughs) Give me something to eat. They gave him fish, and he ate it. He wasn't a ghost. He was making a point. This is me. I'm here in physical form. He was showing his humanity. And they still doubted. Anyone ever heard of Doubting Thomas? Probably heard of that. Well, this is what the scripture that it comes from is John chapter 20, verse 24. It says, now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he went right to Thomas, (laughs) looked directly at him. He says, put your finger in here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus was there in physical form. Now, why is that important? It's important because of observation number two on your handout. His resurrection fulfilled the prophecies about the Messiah. It was prophesied that Jesus would die and that he would rise again. So his resurrection fulfilled these prophecies. In Luke 24, verse 44, he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. What he was referring to were the Old Testament prophecies. The Old Testament prophecies. So the Old Testament was written hundreds, if not thousands of years before this time. And throughout the Old Testament, there was a prophecy after prophecy after prophecy about the Messiah, the Savior, the coming King. Now at this time, the Israelites were under Roman rule. So they had been captive under Roman rule for hundreds of years. And they were looking forward to this Messiah, this savior, this this king to save them from Roman rule. That's what they were looking forward to. And they talked about the Messiah. They read the scriptures. They had them memorized. They knew that there was this Messiah that was going to come. He was going to be the savior and he would be their king. But God had a little bit different plan than what they had. He wasn't coming to free them from the Romans. Jesus was coming to be the Savior, but the Savior, not of just the Israelite nation, but of the world. That was the plan. And he forecasted it in the Old Testament. 1 Timothy 1.15 says, Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Not to save people from Roman rule, to save sinners. God understood that there was a gap between him and humanity. In God's presence, there can only be perfection. And what we had is a whole bunch of sinners. And so they had all these sinners and Jesus came to bridge that gap. So what I want to do is I want to go through just eight of these Old Testament prophecies. These are on your handout and talk about how Jesus fulfilled each one of these. So the first one is that he was born in Bethlehem. And we know this, right? We know the, the Christmas song, O Little Town of Bethlehem. We know that's where Jesus was born. It comes from the prophecy in Micah 5.2 that says, But you, Bethlehem, Ipretha, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. So that was one of the prophecies about the coming Messiah that he would be born in Bethlehem. There's another prophecy, number two, that says he was born of a virgin. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's from the book of Isaiah. And we know that about the Virgin Mary. So Jesus was born to the Virgin Mary. That was a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Number three is that he would enter Jerusalem triumphantly. This comes from the book of Zechariah. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And that's how Jesus came into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. He came in on a colt, on the foal of a donkey, in a triumphant procession. But not only that, we knew that he would come in triumphantly, but we also knew that he would be rejected. That was part of the prophecy. Isaiah 53 says, he was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and he held him in, and we held him in low esteem. This happened when he was on the cross. People made fun of him and scoffed at him and turned away from him while he was hanging on the cross. Number five is we knew that he would be betrayed by a friend. Psalms 41.9 says, Even my close friend, someone I trusted, one whom shared my bread, has turned against me. And we know this is Judas. Judas betrayed Jesus. It was part of the prophecies. We knew that he would be silent before his accusers. Isaiah 53, 7 says he was oppressed and afflicted, yet yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. When Pilate was being accused by the chief priests and the Pharisees and by Pilate, he didn't argue with them. He remained silent. It's fulfillment of prophecy. Number seven is that he would die by crucifixion. It was prophesied that he would die by crucifixion. This comes from Psalms 22. It says, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. And that's what happens when you're you're crucified. Your bones all become out of joint. My heart was turned to wax. It has melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd, which is like a piece of broken pottery. And my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircles me. They they pierce my hands and my feet, which indicates the type of death that he was going to die through crucifixion. But then what we're talking about today, number eight, is that he would be raised from the dead. He would be raised from the dead. It was prophesied that he would die, but that he would rise again. Psalm sixteen ten says, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. Jesus would not decay in the tomb. And Psalms 30, verse 3 says, you, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. Jesus fulfilled all eight of these prophecies. So I came across an article that talked about the statistical, I can't say it, but statistical probability of one person fulfilling eight prophecies. And this is what it says. The Old Testament written hundreds of years before Jesus' birth contains over 300 prophecies that Jesus fulfilled through his life, death, and resurrection. Mathematically speaking, the odds of anyone fulfilling this amount of prophecy are staggering. Mathematicians put it this way. One person fulfilling eight prophecies is one in 100 quadrillion. That's the chances of someone fulfilling these eight prophecies. But we know that Jesus did more, right? So one person fulfilling 48 prophecies is one chance in 10 to the 157th power. Can you even imagine? I can't even imagine that. It's not very likely. I think that's what it means. And then the last one is one person fulfilling 300 plus prophecies. They couldn't even calculate it. It's just only Jesus. There's no way. No one could do that by chance, right? But by design, it happened that way. God had a plan. He put it in motion hundreds, if not thousands of years before Jesus was born. And Jesus walked that out. Jesus was born to fulfill the prophecies as the Savior, as the Messiah. He was born to live a sinless life and then to die a sinner's death. That was what Jesus did. And he knew it. He knew what was coming. He knew what he had to do. He knew that he would come in, you know, on Palm Sunday riding on a donkey as a king, and just a few days later he was going to be arrested. He's going to be betrayed, arrested, beaten, whipped, spit upon, insulted, tried, convicted, and then hung on a tree in the most gruesome, painful way to die. He knew it, but he also knew that Sunday was coming. He knew it was all for a purpose. Scripture said that it was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross. He knew that he would rise again and that he would go to the Father, that he was going to sit with God in heaven, and that by his death, he was paying the way for us to have salvation. He knew that. And so it was that joy beyond the cross that that allowed him to endure the pain and the suffering of the cross itself. When his disciples asked him, (coughs) how do we get to heaven? How do we go to the father as well? Because Jesus had said, I'm, this is all going to happen and I'm going to end up going to, to the Father. He said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He also knew his position, that he was the one and only Savior of the world. There was no other way. He knew it. He declared it. He didn't hide the fact that he was the Messiah, the Savior. Jesus is our way to heaven. But Jesus is a gentleman and he doesn't force it upon us. None of us have to take up Jesus as the sacrifice for our sins. We don't have to. We all have a choice. We all have a choice to believe that Jesus really died, that he rose again, that he lived, that he died, he rose again that he paid for our sins, that these prophecies are true. Even with 300 of them, I'm convinced of it, but I'm not going to stand here and, and really argue with you about it. It is what it is because I know that it just takes faith. And for some of us, we might think, well, if if, if I saw Jesus here with me, if I saw him perform the miracles, then maybe, maybe then I would be easier to believe. Well, you know, thousands of people, in Jesus's time, saw that and still did not believe. It's it's a personal thing. Where there's a chance for faith, there is always room for doubt. Each of us has to make the decision for ourselves. But one thing that we cannot do, we cannot believe that Jesus was just a good guy. We can't believe that he was just a good guy. C.S. Lewis puts it this way. Jesus Christ was either a liar, a lunatic, or he was who he said he was. He said he was the son of God, that he was the savior of the world. So he was either lying about it or he believed it and he was just nuts. You know, just crazy. Or perhaps, perhaps he really is who he said he is. So on this Easter Sunday, where the world is talking about Jesus as the Savior, that he has risen again, that's the decision that we each have to make. Did he really live 2,000 years ago? Did he really fulfill all of those prophecies? Did he really die on the cross? And did he really live again? That's that's the decision we each have have to make. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up here. We're going to sing a last song. And while we're singing this song, I just want you to consider this question. It's your last fill in. If Jesus is who he said he is, what is my response? What is my response? If Jesus really is the prophesied Messiah. If he really did live, died on the cross and rose again, why did he do that? There has to be a reason. So what is my response? So consider that and then we'll sing this song and I'll come up and close. But if you guys would stand and pray with me. So God... We invite your Holy Spirit to come and speak to each one of us, Lord. And we thank you, God, for sending Jesus. And we thank you, God, that you did not leave him in the grave, that he was victorious even over death. And we thank you, God, that it was because of the joy set before him that jesus christ endured the cross because he loved thank you for enjoying the message we hope we helped you know god more intimately if you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually feel free to find out more about us at lighthousevineyard.church thank you once again for being part of our family and we'll see you next time